Thank you for listening to The Real Truth Podcast with Ruth Henderson, where we will dive into the powerful truth that the kingdom of heaven has for us. And now here's our host, Ruth Hendrickson. Hi, everyone. It's great to be with you today as we continue this journey together talking about issues or concepts of emotional healing and deliverance. I want to remind you before we dive in that God wants every one of us to be free. He came to set the captives free. He came to rebuild the ancient ruins. He wants to heal us up. He wants us whole and delivered. And so that's why these topics to address this area of our life is so important because as we do it, He is so faithful and he will bring freedom. So today we're actually going to talk about shame. And the reason we're going to talk about shame is because we've all experienced it in one form or another. And shame is something that will hold us back from doing the impossible. You see, shame is the driving force that lurks behind many of our dysfunctional patterns. But the questions arise, what's shame? How does it weave through our lives? What about guilt? Is there even a difference? And what's the heart of Jesus in all of this? Lots and lots of questions to cover in a very short amount of time. So let's see how far we can get. Oh yeah, and a note before we dive in. I understand that people listen to this podcast from around the world. And one of the things with the topic of shame is it has a different definition or different meaning depending on what culture you're in. So I want to say this, no matter what your background, no matter what your culture, I'm going to encourage you to keep listening because I believe in this, that the Holy Spirit will put nuggets that you can pull out into your culture, into your experience. Because the heart of the Lord is for us to be free once again. And he knows exactly where we're at. He knows our definition of shame. He knows the cultural definition of shame. So I'm going to ask you to hang in there and understand, yep, I'm a Westerner. This will be a lot from a Western mindset. But again, we have a God who crosses the culture, crosses denominations. He he can do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. So as I've prepared for this and prayed for it, my prayer has been that it will cross cultures and that it will bring healing and freedom. That there's Again, there's going to be those nuggets you can pull out. I'm just really excited about that. And so one of the things as I looked up shame, the Merriam-Webster dictionary talks about shame being a painful emotion or a condition of humiliating disgrace or something that brings reproach. So with that Cliff Notes definition, I think we can all relate somewhere, whether it's a painful emotion or humiliation, disgrace, or something that brings uh, reproach. I think we can all uh, attach that and see where it fits into our lives. Sometimes we also mix and mingle shame and guilt. However, they're actually two different things. If we feel guilty, per Webster's 1828 dictionary, there has to be a moral agent enjoying the freedom of will and capable of distinguishing between right and wrong and a willful willful or intentional violation of a known law, rule, or duty. John 14, 16-17 in the Passion Translation states, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and live inside of you. So that tells us that one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the truth of God to us. John 16, 13 actually says, but when the Holy Spirit, he will unveil the reality of truth within us. So when we are talking about guilt, we make statements like, I made a mistake. 
That's based on facts. It results in godly sorrow. And godly sorrow is always power-packed with redemption. Guilt remains external. In other words, it's an invitation to work on something that doesn't align with the word of God. It's an invitation for freedom. It does not become part of our core identity. Remember, I said it was external. Guilt can receive and know God's forgiveness. Guilt has a teachable spirit. It's ready to learn. So guilt is redeeming. When you put in the hands of a loving, mighty God, guilt puts us back on the right path so that we grow and so that we move and so that we're, we're, we're being who God has called us to be. But shame, shame is damaging. Guilt leads us closer to God, whereas shame becomes a weight that we carry. You see, shame is based largely on emotions. And oh, does shame ever make a strong statement. Remember, guilt says, I made a mistake. Well, shame says, I am a mistake. There's a huge difference. That one word changes everything. I made a mistake says, yes, I did something wrong, but it doesn't define me. When shame says I am a mistake, that becomes an identity. You see, shame goes inward and becomes part of our identity. And as it invades our identity, it takes us on a journey that leads us deeper into captivity and deeper into bondage. And that identity or label of shame tightly adheres to who we are. Shame has the potential to open the doors for depression, for self-pity, for a victim mindset or mentality. It can also open the door for the demonic to come in and set up housekeeping, and we certainly don't want that. So we also have to understand that if guilt, you know, we talked about guilt being healthy and how it is I made a mistake and it's more external, but if it's not dealt with, if we don't deal with it God's way, if we don't listen to those warnings, if we don't let God's healing and redemption come in, then it can actually develop into shame. So in other words, the belief system moves from external, I did something bad, to internal, I am bad. Again, guilt is a God-given warning system that it just means something's out of whack, something's out of sync. We need to make an adjustment. Freedom from guilt and always involves confession, repentance, sometimes restitution. But the thing is, is we can be free from guilt. Hear it. It's a course correction. Now, let's fully dive into shame. With shame, we end up making an elaborate systems of masks, and the pride ultimately becomes the adhesive that holds that mask in place, if you want, for a word picture. So you take this mask that's built by shame because you need to look a certain way, and then the pride, because we want everyone to see the right thing, that becomes that adhesive that adheres that mask to us. So as mentioned before, shame ultimately attaches to our core identity. So where did shame come from originally? Well, that's an easy one. We're going to jump right back to Genesis. Remember remember how Adam and Eve, the fruit, you know, that whole situation, as soon as they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened. And what was the first thing they felt? They felt shame at their nakedness. What were the action steps that they took? Well, they tried to cover themselves. They hid from God. When God questioned why they were hiding, Adam admitted it was because they were naked. God had not told them they were naked. So, of course, God says, who told you that? And immediately asked if they had eaten what they were told not to eat. In defense, as Adam goes and responds back to God, what does he do? He enters into the blame game. Shame, by nature, will always try to cover, hide, and lay blame elsewhere in an attempt to distract from the real issue. 
You see, had Adam and Eve immediately confessed to God, it would have been guilt. Even without the presence of the Holy Spirit, it would have been guilt. Had they immediately confessed to God, in that moment, they would have been able to step into his healing, his redemption, and his forgiveness. However, what they did in that moment, they began to hide. And the minute they began to hide, the minute they began to weave something together to make clothing for themselves, they were actually beginning to weave a mask of shame. We have to understand that we're not born with shame. Shame is something that gets put on us and that we take on. With that said, remember, the way the kingdom works is that we have to take responsibility for what we put on, what we take into ourselves, or we start playing the blame game and we get into trouble just like Adam and Eve did. So even if shame is modeled for us all through our lives and we picked it up without realizing or even understanding what was happening, you still hold the key for healing. I still hold the key for healing. But that begins with taking responsibility. We take responsibility for what we took on, for what we took in, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. You see, we have to understand that God is safe and being honest and vulnerable with God changes everything. In the midst of an honest relationship with God, shame cannot find a foothold. Hear me. In the midst of an honest relationship with God, shame cannot find a foothold. Speaking of footholds, the foothold and the entry points of shame are actually quite varied. Not enough time here to go into a full list, but I'll give you some ideas. How many have heard the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Well, we all know that's not true. Words hurt. Words hurt a lot. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Words matter. What we speak to others matters. What we speak to ourselves matters. In fact, it's so vital that we're told in Ephesians 5.19 to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, when we're speaking that way, there is no room for shame. We don't put shame on somebody else. We don't take shame in, of a, on ourselves either. It cannot become an identity because we're filling the atmosphere, both our internal atmosphere and the external atmosphere, with things that align with the heavenly realm. So again, we're told to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. How are we uplifting ourselves? How are we uplifting others? How are we encouraging ourselves? How are we encouraging others? How are we making sure that the door that is open is for the truth from the word of God, for healing, for freedom, encouragement, calling people into more, and not to destroy and bring them down into shame? How do we do that? We watch our words. How do we watch our words? We make sure that they're edifying, that they're biblically aligned. Then there's no room for shame. So again, if our words didn't matter, the Holy Spirit would not have had Paul pen those words in Ephesians, nor would he have the warning about our words in Proverbs. Spoken words hold tremendous power. You see, words of ridicule and comparison, scorn, can become a curse on our identity. Words can form a foundation that allows lies then to be built into our lives. For example, I'm ugly, or I can't do anything right, becomes a judgment against myself. But what was the root of those words? It, I certainly can't find that root in scripture, because scripture says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Scripture says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So another example, have you ever had someone say shame on you? 
Well, that's a pretty heavy load to put on someone. Or how about this one? You should be ashamed of yourself. You see, judgments put on us by others, that can happen. But we're still responsible for receiving them. In other words, we're the gatekeeper. What did we allow in? Knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. Have we ever teased someone? Or have we been the one receiving the teasing? Of course, that's another entry point for shame. It all goes back to the words again. Others include areas such as really rigid roles or performance expectations, like you can't live up to the expectation. Or how about parents who are absent physically or emotionally and the child's word is, world becomes inwardly focused? So, you know, how often do we see the issues that parents have being internalized by the child as being their fault or their shameful? And so all this comes into play, family rules and secrets, another area, trauma, abuse, all are areas that can open the door with shame, but we don't need to be trapped there. We honestly do, do not need to be trapped there because God always gives us a way out. In addition to all of this, into the in addition to the things that swirl around us, the things that we experience, we also have lies, lies that feed shame. So a few examples would be things like, what I feel is wrong. Or, I can't have a different opinion than anyone else. How about, it's wrong to make an ex a mistake. I should be better. I should be perfect. My best is not good enough. Or, how about, yeah, I can't cry or express emotion. That's a big one. So let's talk about emotions for a moment. Shame will bind to the emotions. In some cultures, the show of emotion is considered weak. And this can present or enter into a type of cultural shaming because if you show emotion in a culture where you're not to show emotion, then you're shamed for it. You're ridiculed for it. Or how about a child being told not to cry? So then what do you do? You bury the emotions. That's a type of family shaming. How about men don't cry? So you stop a little boy from crying. Toughen up. All those words, so then we, what we do again is we shut down emotions. But the reason, it's not that we shouldn't become strong because we need to become strong, but we can't become strong with a foundation of shame. We can't become strong with a mask of shame. We are to find our strength in the Lord and know that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Know that he always calls us up into more. Shame will always hold us down. It will always hold us down. Um, another area is vows, individual vows, like I will never show emotion, I will never cry, I will never look weak. Those can all, they're usually driven by or again cemented by shame in the background. In other words, I'm not going to show emotion because I've been shamed before for showing emotion. Or I'm not going to cry because I was shamed when I cried. So as the process goes on and on, the shame piles up and what it does is it binds the core identity. And it gets eternalized. It becomes part of our belief system and we learn to hide. And what happens through all that as the years go on, we actually become experts at wearing a mask. And what happens with that mask is it feels like it keeps us safe. But what happens also is our God-given identity gets lost behind the mask and we lose the image of who Christ created us to be. It's only when we come face to face with the shame that we can stop the development of the fruit and begin to live again. Truthfully, you know what? Walking out of shame can be a challenge. It can actually be a huge challenge. It's not easy because a coupled with shame could be fear. Because how many of us have said, if you truly knew who I was or if you truly knew what I'm thinking, you wouldn't like me. Where does that come from? That comes from shame. 
if you truly know who I am, if you know the true me, then you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't care. That's all shame-based thinking. And so if that's something that's happening in your head, you know what? This is an invitation. This is an invitation to step into freedom. You see, but God, but God came to set us free. He did not want, you see, even Adam and Eve, when they were walking in shame and they began to weave that first mask and they began to weave together the leaves to cover themselves, God dressed them. And that's a whole nother teaching and how to deal with that. But you see, God dresses, dressed them. Here's what I want to say. We have to stop weaving together our own leaves for our covering. We have to stop wearing the masks that are adhered with pride. And we have to let God cover us. We have to trust him to cover us. He will remove the shame and he will set us free. Because we were created in his image. You were created for his glory. I was created for his glory. We carry the DNA of our Heavenly Father. And it's time to let it out. It's time to shine for the kingdom of heaven. You were not created to live in shame. None of us were. Shame slithered into the garden along with Satan. And deception found the hole and introduced shame. The other thing that I want to mention if, you're, if you are dealing with shame... It is because of shame that we put on that mask and that full healing from that shame has actually walked out in healthy relationships. In other words, you can't heal from shame apart from others. We take a risk and we go out into the scary world so that God can bring that healing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us to be strong. It's our desire to remove the mask of shame and to walk in a belief system that aligns with your word and to become the person that you have created us to be. We repent and confess for taking on, for creating, for wearing a mask of shame, for going and adhering it to our very being with, with pride. We ask for your forgiveness, God, for the places where knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, we have coveted with shame, where we have allowed that in, where we've even nursed it, where we've allowed the words to take hold, where we have put on the labels that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy, that if anyone truly knew us, that they wouldn't like us. God, we ask your forgiveness and we stand together and we decree and declare that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in the image of God, that we are your beloved sons and daughters, that you have plans and purposes for us and that they are good, that you have created us with a destiny, a God-ordained destiny, and you've put it within our very DNA. And so right now we just reject shame and we say, Lord, you teach us, Lord, where we need to, where we've done wrong, where we need to make directional changes. We trust you to show us that we have made mistakes, but that we are not a mistake, but we have made mistakes and God will do that course direction. And Father, I thank you. Each person here, some of you, you've warned that I am a mistake. And right now, I want you to hear today's your day for freedom because you are not a mistake. You are a sign and a wonder from the kingdom of heaven. You are not a mistake. So we just want to pull that off you right now. Today is a day of freedom. Today is a day to walk in the fullness of who God's created you to be. Shame cannot come along. Shame is not welcomed here. You were created to soar on the wings of eagles. And that's what we're going for. So, Father, I just pray your blessing upon each and every person here, God. Lord, let them know that they are wonderful and that they are not to be carriers of shame. 
but they are to be carriers of the glory of God. Hear me, hear me, son of the living God. Hear me, daughter of the living God. You are created to carry his presence and to shine for him. So go through your day. Be so blessed today. And if you need to do some more study on shame, visit my webpage, ruthhendrickson.org. Go under e-courses. There's a short little e-course on shame. But here's what I want you to know. You were created to soar. You are created to be a carrier of God's presence, his glory. You were not made to carry shame. So let's get rid of it. Be so blessed and I'll see you next week. Are you interested in learning more about emotional healing and deliverance? Check out Ruth's Masha e-course at ruthhenderson.com.